Welcome to the Living Brightly Podcast with Elaine Cross. I am your host, Elaine Cross, and today we are in the middle of Holy Week. Passover has begun, Easter is upon us, and it's a time when people who don't attend church on a regular basis attend church. So churches are preparing, the world is preparing in its own way for another remembrance, another celebration, another, well, what do you call it, right? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So thanks for joining me. Let's get to it. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to share your good news with those who are listening. I don't want them to hear from me. I want them to hear from you. Use this time to speak to their hearts, their minds, their soul, their spirit, that they can be drawn closer to you and that they can fill their lamp with oil and be a bright light in this dark and crazy world. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Holy Week, Passover, Easter, Pascha, so many names, so many things. What's going on? And I just wanted to kind of give you some foundations, give you some basic information about what this all is and what is happening. As many of you know, there is a holiday called Passover that the Jews celebrate and they call it Passover in remembrance of the time when Moses, through the hand of God, was trying to get the Israelites out of Egypt. And God sent 10 plagues, the last of which was the death of the firstborn. And God gave Moses and the Israelites some very specific things to protect them from that spirit of death. They had to put blood on the mantle. They had to take a lamb. They had to eat the food, leave quickly. And Passover is a remembrance of that. Now, Passover is not a one-day remembrance. It's a seven-day remembrance. And that's a little different for Americans, for Christians, for many religions, to have such an extended uh, time of remembrance. It wasn't a quick thing, right? Moses showed up on the scene, and one plague led to another plague, and that probably took longer than seven days. But seven days is the length of time that the Jews remember Passover. Now, the first day is very significant. The first day is the day where they remember with a special dinner. They call it a Seder, which is a organized or staged, it's very planned out dinner with very specific foods. They also have very specific questions that they ask. And it's all about teaching the next generation. So teaching the children of the home, of the family, what the significance of this day is and why they celebrate it. So there's a series of questions that the children will ask and the adults will answer. And if you are alone or just two people that are adults, you're still supposed to go over these questions. What a great way to remember something that happened thousands of years ago, and keep it alive and vibrant in 
your conscience and your reality in your relationship with with God. I really like that. And there's a lot of symbolism, and I don't have time to get into all the symbolism, but there's a lot of symbolism in Passover that is very significant. So our Jewish friends are celebrating Passover. The first day of Passover, they have the uh, Seder dinner, the dinner which really reminds them and walks them through the whole process of the Exodus. And it's a very it's a very thought-provoking time and it's a very intentional teaching to the next generation what they experienced, how they experienced it, why they experienced it and why they need to remember it. That in and of itself to me is a very remarkable event if we as Christians took Easter and Christmas with just a a little bit of that intentionality. I think a lot of Christians would be more intentional about their faith throughout the rest of the year. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. There are a lot of believers who come to church just on Christmas and just on Easter. So much so, we have a special name for them, the C and E Christians, Christian and Easter, C for Christian, E for Easter, C and E Christian. Or what's been kind of morphed into Creaster, which I've heard recently, and I don't really like that term, but it's basically taking Christian and Easter and squishing it together and making a, a new word out of it and calling them Creaster Christians or Creaster believers, whatever. It's weird. <laughs> Maybe I'm just older. I don't know. But looking at Passover and Easter. And then, of course, the Catholics, the Protestants all celebrate Easter within the week of Passover for reasons I'm going to get into in a minute. But we have our brothers and sisters that are Orthodox. And the Orthodox celebrate what they call Pascha, which is a Greek or Russian word for Passover. So they celebrate Passover in a different language, Passover, (laughs) about a week or two later. Part of it because they didn't want to celebrate it at the same time as the Jews celebrated it. And this is just based on information I've read on Orthodox websites, Orthodox church websites. And a big part of it is when the Orthodox and the Catholics split and they had this division of power because... They didn't like how all the power was um, isolated in Rome, and they had very unique customs and traditions and societies in Western Europe, like the Soviet bloc nations, okay? Um, They didn't want to be aligned with the Catholic Church out of that which flowed the Gregorian calendar. The Gregorian calendar is the calendar that all of us in the United States follow, most of Europe follows, and frankly, most of the world follows at this point. The Jews, of course, have their own calendar, which is significantly different. It's based on the moon. It's not based on the sun, so it's completely different. Um, But we have this Gregorian calendar, and before the world became more united under one calendar— the Orthodox nations had their own calendar. 
because the kings and the leaders could produce their own calendar. Well, that is coming to an end. The Orthodox Church has announced, and I believe it's in 2023, this might be the first year, and I should actually look that up. So I'm going to pause this for a second. I'm going to look that up real quick, because I think that this might be the first year that our Orthodox brothers and sisters um, are going to celebrate or remember um, Easter this, at the same time as the rest of the believers in the world. Okay, nope. This year they're going to celebrate it on April 16th. So they're a week apart from us still. Um, so maybe it's next year when the Orthodox Church is... Maybe, you know, the American Orthodox Church might do their own thing and the Western Orthodox, the, you know, the Western countries, Russian, Greek, might go to the Gregorian calendar and the American Orthodox Church might not because they don't really respect the American Orthodox Church as a separate entity from the Greek and Russian Orthodox Church. Um, I don't know how it all works. I have a very little information based on what I have read on the internet and, and talked to people. So I'm not going to disrespect them and I mean no disrespect they just do it different and that's okay uh, they have their own memorial celebrations that they do that they perform and I'm all for having something that makes a day like Easter or Passover significant because I think we take them too flippantly there is a huge secular element, meaning the world recognizes Easter, but they don't really want to celebrate it as a religious holiday, so they've turned it into Easter bunnies and Easter eggs and, and whatever, and that does harken back to a very old religious sect of like Druids and can't remember the other type. Anyway, you get the point. A pagan religion that is no longer practiced hardly anywhere in the world. I'm sure there are a few somewhere, just like there are witches and there are different things. But we hear about witches. We don't really hear about pagan religions. Now, maybe in some specific areas like Ireland or somewhere, there you might be some druids still practicing but there was some spring holiday that they celebrated that they aligned with the goddess of fertility thus the rabbits and the eggs and the new life of spring i would say we aren't copying them i would say as in all things of our enemy they are copying us and manipulating what is true into something that is not. Regardless of its history, regardless of its background, there is a secular kind of funniness going on with all the Easter eggs and the Easter bunny. And yes, in the Seder dinner with the Jews, they have a hard-boiled egg. So there's an element of that. 
that is very much part of Passover. Which came first, the hard-boiled egg or the pagan religion? I'm going to say the Jewish religion established that as part of their remembrance process of Passover, and the pagan religions willingly manipulated it and absconded it because that's what our enemy does. Our enemy loves to pervert things that are holy into things that are unholy. I don't have any problem with people who celebrate Easter in that way, but I am speaking to you who are interested in your faith, interested in growing in your faith, interested in knowing more about Christianity. So I'm just laying out some basic facts. And that is a point of contention for some believers to the point that they minimize the importance of of Easter because there's this small portion of people who might actually still consider it a pagan holiday. The vast majority of people who celebrate Easter without any affiliation with any religion do so out of ignorance and out of fun and just a way to have fun with their children. I'm not going to say that's wrong. I don't care if you have fun with your children. We do all kinds of things. People and families and communities and cultures have all different days that they celebrate. Celebrate. It's good to celebrate life. I would rather that you understood the true meaning behind Easter. And I think that's the hang-up, is the name Easter. Where did the name Easter come from? Nobody really knows. Some people who are afraid of the pagans will say, it's a pagan word, it's a pagan thing, we're not going to celebrate it. And I call foul. That's not, that's not right, and that's not good. As believers who believe in Jesus Christ, as Jews who believe in God, celebrating Passover or Easter is vital to our faith because both holidays are incredibly significant. And the fact that they overlap for Christians reminds us of our Jewish roots. Jesus Christ was a Jew. All his disciples were Jews when he was walking on the earth. And those disciples were sent to Gentiles. Without that, you and I would not be celebrating Easter. Easter represents the time when Jesus went into Jerusalem and on what we call Palm Sunday, which is generally the beginning of Holy Week, what a lot of Christians call Holy Week. Palm Sunday was the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem and people were praising and singing and saying, save us and help us. And they had palm branches and they laid the palm branches on the ground and Jesus rode in on a donkey and it was very grand, almost king-like. He was welcomed into Jerusalem. And a few days later, not long, Judas had turned him over to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I'm not sure which group. I can't remember. And he and his disciples celebrated Passover. They celebrated Passover on Friday, 
we or on Thursday. Well, technically Friday, Thursday night, Passover starts at night. Most Jewish holidays begin at sundown because in Genesis, when they talk about the creation of the world, it was more it was evening and morning the first day. So Jewish holidays begin at sundown when the day begins. They celebrate right at the beginning of the day, which is at sundown. They celebrate all Sabbaths at sundown, which is their Saturday. Friday night at sundown begins Saturday. That's the beginning of Saturday. That's when they have their Sabbath meal. And then they rest all day Saturday. All their holidays begin at sundown for that very reason. That's the very beginning of the day. Again, we think of the beginning of the day as when we wake up or at midnight. And it's probably midnight to accommodate both the Jewish and non-Jewish people in the world, the, the Jews and the Greeks or Jews and the Gentiles. Because how do you create a calendar that pretty much everybody can recognize? So you create 12 midnight. That becomes the beginning of the day for the Gentiles, which is basically the middle of the night. And the Jews begin their day a few hours earlier at sunset. Well, this is a good time to take a break. And I just want to remind you that this is a value for value podcast. And if you're finding value in what we produce, I'd ask that you would turn that into a number, whatever number fits your budget. That's not for me to say or me to decide. I just don't want to be controlled by advertisers or big platforms that require that I say or not say certain things. And I want to provide information that is true to God's word and beneficial to you. And if you find that beneficial, turn it into a number and send it in. You can send it in at elainecross.com slash donation. Or if you just go to elainecross.com, that's E-L-A-Y-N-E, cross, as in Jesus died on the cross, dot com. And you will find a link right on the front page of ways that you can donate. Do that. Help keep this on the air so that others can hear it. And you will be blessed as you bless me because I am blessed that you are listening. So let's continue. Christian Easter. We've talked about Passover a little bit, but Christian Easter falls in the week of Passover because it specifically says Jesus and his disciples, he had his disciples find a room where they could celebrate Passover. They went to the upper room, they celebrated Passover, and they met. At this point, Judas had sold Jesus's whereabouts to the Jewish leaders. After their Passover dinner, Jesus went to the garden to pray because he knew it was coming. He had told his disciples, I am going to die. I don't think they really understood or comprehended the full weight of those words as being true and certainly not the extent to which he would be tortured before he died. But they all went to the garden to pray. He asked his three, uh, Peter, James, and John, Okay, not sure if those are the ones. He asked three of them to come with him. 
and asked him to stay awake and pray with him. And then he went aside to pray, came back. They had fallen asleep. He's like, what, you can't even stay awake with me? He went back up upside to pray, and this is where he prayed to the point where his sweat became as dro- blood drops. This was a very strong, powerful moment in a human's life, Jesus being human and God. His flesh knew what was, what was potentially going to happen, and he knew he had to face it with God's help. Um, and being God, it was just being in communion with God, having that reinforcement, which is what we need when we're following and facing great struggles. When we can pray and get peace, even when the storms are raging, it's very powerful. Well, then, of course, Judas and the Roman guards show up. They arrest Jesus Thursday night. We know it's Thursday night because all day Friday, they're trying to, to judge him, right? He's being bounced around from court to court. He's being judged, and then he is beaten. He is whipped. He's hung on the cross, and he has to be buried before sundown because they're in Jerusalem, and at sundown, Sabbath starts. We know that Sabbath starts at sundown on Friday night. So we know our timeline. He has to have Passover on Thursday Thursday night, he's in the garden and taken captive. Friday, he is judged and beaten and crucified. And by before sundown, he's buried. He's put in the tomb. That is so significant in our life of relationship with God. My relationship with God, the fact that Jesus is my Savior, is predicated on what happened at what we call Easter. And we can bicker about the name of it. We can bicker about the time of it, like whether it's this week or next week. But if I read scripture, it's the same week that the Jews celebrate Passover. The Jews celebrate Passover based on the cycle of the moon, which is why Easter moves around every year. And it's the first moon following the equinox or whatever. I don't even know off the top of my head. But I'm going to trust the Jews who know the Jewish calendar and set the Jewish calendar and the Jewish holidays. And that's what all the Catholic and Protestant churches follow. It's also what the Bible describes as how these days fell together and overlapped. So we have Jesus crucified, died on the cross, buried on Friday. Saturday, nobody can go see him or do anything. They couldn't prepare his body. They couldn't anoint him because it was Sabbath. They couldn't do any of that work. Sunday morning, the ladies go to the tomb to anoint the body And the angels are there saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And Jesus is gone. Jesus has risen. And Jesus then appears to the disciples. And he continues to appear to the disciples for 40 days. Now, in the middle here, he says, don't touch me. I have to go to my father in heaven. He goes to heaven. 
pours out his blood on the altar in heaven, and then comes back and converses with his disciples for the next 40 days. And we'll get into all of that on another podcast. The significance of this holiday, this holy day, and the division in the body of Christ just breaks my heart. It wounds me that people who attend church on a regular basis mock people who only come on Easter. And we should celebrate that because if you're going to come one day a year or two times a year, Christmas and Easter are the days. Those are the big ones. If Jesus had never come to earth, then we would still be waiting for the Messiah. If Jesus would not have followed through and submitted to the torture, the brutality of being judged for something he didn't do, that you and I did, he was judged for our sins, beaten brutally, and then hung on a cross brutally, and then Father God turned his head away from him when he took on our sin and died. And then he went to hell and then Father God raised him back to life. Without that, there is no salvation. Every Christian believes those facts. So whether you celebrate it this week or you celebrate it a week from now, or if you remember it three weeks from now, I think of Easter. I think of the sacrifice, the substitutional sacrifice that Jesus provided at Christmas. This is something I ponder throughout the year at various times. The fact that we can, as a community, as a body of Christ, come together in the spring and remember what he has done for everyone, whether they believe or not, Jew or Greek, doesn't matter who you are, what language you speak, what country you live in, Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to set you free from the punishment of sin and death, but also to give you peace, to give you purpose, to give you value and identity. And if you're struggling in your life with anxiety and depression and fear and money problems and all the things this world can throw at you, to be abused, to be neglected, to be mistreated, to be lonely and isolated, Jesus came for you. We remember Jesus sacrifice, his willingness to knowingly, he knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to have to pay the price. He knew the wrath of God was going to come down on his physical self. He could not separate his God part from his human part. He had to suffer it 
for us, for you, for me. This is Holy Week. It's Holy Week because there was a triumphal entry. He was recognized as a king. And that was one of the charges that was levied against him at his trial. You say you're king of the Jews. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is spiritual. But we humans were spiritual and physical. You hear me say this all the time. We have a spiritual part of us that will live on forever. But we are living in time and space in this physical person. And Jesus became that for us. So Thursday of Holy Week, they call Holy Thursday. Why? Because that was the beginning of our salvation. When Jesus and his disciples, and not just the 12, Jesus and his disciples, I think there was up to 100 people there, celebrated Passover. They remembered Passover. They honored what Moses had done. They remembered what Moses had done as a shadow of what Jesus was about to do. In particular, the death of the firstborn son. Friday, we call it Good Friday. It's very good for us. It was not good for Jesus. It was not a big day for him. He was wrongfully accused. He was bounced around like a ping pong ball between the courts and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and constantly being challenged and questioned and condemned. And at one point, trying to be rid of this heavy, really unsubstantiated charges, they offered him up to be given back to the people. And and the people were offered the choice between him and Barabbas, a known murderer and zealot. And that also harkens back to the sacrificial lamb, which we see in, in the Jewish holidays that are a shadow of what Jesus did. You have Jesus that is innocent, and then you have the scapegoat. And he's put before the people and says, choose one. Who will be the scapegoat and who will be punished for the sins of all? Well, Barabbas, the one who was really guilty, became the scapegoat and was set free. And Jesus, who was really innocent, was condemned to a painful, torturous death so that our sins might be forgiven. Good Friday is good for us without that substitutional sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We would have no stand. We only stand before God because of what he did. We stand in his shadow. We stand covered by his blood and his work on the cross and his willingness to take the penalty, the punishment, the pain that was justifiably ours. So we call it Good Friday. Saturday is kind of sandwiched in between 
that's today. I'm recording this today on Saturday because this is that pause. And right now, in the second millennia post-Christ, it seems just like a day. But imagine yourself one of his followers, one of his disciples. They're gathered together in Jerusalem. Jesus, the one whom they've believed in, the one whom they have followed, trusted, learned, found this incredibly alternative way of looking at people, way of interacting with people, loving on people, praying for people, healing people. They learned all that from Jesus, and now he's dead. And it's the Sabbath. So they can't go work. They can't go do something to get their mind off of it. For this whole day, Saturday, Sabbath, they're thinking, pondering, remembering all that Jesus had done and all that Moses had done, all that God had foreshadowed in all of the holidays, all that God had foreshadowed in all the Jewish history, because they knew it well, and all that Jesus had done over years with them intimately, times that they had spoken to Jesus personally, times that they had spoken to Jesus as a group, times that Jesus had taught them individually or as a group of 12, the 12 disciples, and all the times that Jesus had ministered to those around them, the hundreds and thousands of people that they had seen healed and saved and delivered, and demons that had been expelled. And it's dark and it's silent and, yeah, maybe beautiful outside. But the weight of the reality that Jesus is now dead, they... The burden they carried, the grief they carried for Saturday, we don't really have a name for it. And if I could think of something clever to go with S, I would alliterate it. Sad Saturday, or I don't know, that's all I can think of, Sad Saturday. And they had to spend this whole day feeling the weight of their separation. Maybe that's it. Separation Saturday. Their separation from Jesus. Their separation from their hope. Their separation from this power, this bigger-than-life person who didn't draw attention to himself for himself constantly pointed people to God. And that separation, I'm sure, led them to question and wonder and ponder and what's next and how's it going to happen? How, what's God going to do? How, what can God do? Well, we saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. Yeah, but he's not here. So who can do it? What can happen? And they go to bed Saturday night, and I'm sure they weren't sleeping very well. 
They probably hadn't slept since he was crucified, much at all. But early Sunday morning, and we don't know how early, could have been the crack of dawn. They could have headed out before dawn. And the just the, the little breaks of light breaking over the horizon. And the women hurried to the tomb, hurried to anoint their beloved, whom they lost, whom they had been separated from, who they grieved, only to find the tomb, the stone rolled away. And the angel sitting there, saying, why do you seek the living among the dead? And they're like, what, what are you talking about? Where is he? What have you done with his body? Where have you taken him? And then Jesus appeared. And oh, the rejoicing, the celebrating, the wonder. And of course, they go to try to touch him. And he says, don't touch me. I have to go to heaven first. I can't be defiled. Right now, I need to, to take my blood to heaven, but I'll be back. And the joy that had to erupt. I, I've never had a church service that was at dawn, but I would love to go at, at, to a dawn, right at the, the crack of dawn, Sunday morning, Easter morning service. Because the joy and the excitement of what has transpired, to remember that is powerful. And I want us to remember that as a body of Christ. I want us to remember that as his bride. We are brothers and sisters, and we should not condemn or judge or mimic, or mock, or demean another believer, another person who believes in what Jesus Christ has done because they celebrate this most holy day a little bit different than you do. If anything, if you know someone who celebrates it a little different, ask them what they do. Ask them how they do it. Ask them why they do it. And maybe it can increase your joy. I don't know that I could have more joy than what Mary and Martha and the disciples had on Easter morning. To realize that he is risen and he has paid the price in full. When he was crucified, he said, it is finished. They didn't realize what that truly meant until Sunday morning. And tomorrow is Sunday morning. We are in the middle of separation Saturday. And it can be a, a numb kind of weird space for us 2,000 years after the actual event. And it feels just like a day like any other day. Let's go have a picnic or go for a ride or whatever. And I want you to ponder the grief that this Separation Saturday had 
on the believers because they didn't have Easter Sunday yet. They didn't have the morning after. They didn't have the celebration. All they had was the death, the burial, the separation, the grief, the loss, the wondering, what is God going to do? And then the next time you encounter a time in your life, this year, this week, tomorrow, whenever they happen, I want you to remember that sometimes when things look bleak and dark, it doesn't mean that God isn't there. It just means that God is moving where you can't see. He's doing things that you can't see, you can't comprehend, you can't anticipate. Remember, joy comes in the morning, and joy is going to ring throughout churches all across the world tomorrow and next Saturday, the 16th of 2022, April 16th, 20, or 2023. <laughs> I forget what year it is. When our Orthodox brothers and sisters celebrate. What a glorious day. It will come no matter what you're going through, because Jesus came and gave willingly for you. Well, thanks for joining me. This has been something that's been on my heart, and I've wanted to put this out here, and I've waited for Easter to come to do this. Um, If you want to know more about Jesus and what I'm talking about and how to pray and how to know Him and how to follow Him, I have a small ebook on my website and you can get it. You can download it for free. We'll have to put your email address in there, but I don't do anything with your email address. I'm certainly not going to sell them because I don't want to be beholden to anybody. Go to elainecross.com slash Jesus and it will take you right to the page to download that. It'll tell you basics about how to have a relationship with Jesus, how to pray, how to choose a church lots of different things just to get you started. And I hope that you have just a little bit more of a glimpse of the significance of this holiday we call Easter, because it is the biggest, most important holiday that we celebrate, that we remember, that we contemplate all that Jesus has done. And remember that he is doing things in your life this very day, and he has great plans for you. Thanks for joining me. Till next time.